What's up, everybody? This is Paul Critchley, president of New England Lean Consulting. Welcome to another episode of the New England Lean podcast. This is an episode that we also recorded last week at the GBMP conference in Springfield, Massachusetts last week. So we did all these live, and I'm honored to welcome back to the show for a second time my good friend, Paul Serafino. Uh, in this episode, Paul and I talk culture and employee engagement, and we get uh, pretty in-depth, uh, which is why I violated my own rule at the show, which was to try to keep the, the live episodes down to like 15 minutes or so. And Paul and I talked for almost half an hour, and I got to tell you, it didn't feel like that. And I hope when you listen to it, it doesn't feel like that too. It goes by so quick because Paul is such an engaging person. And he's so passionate about these topics. He actually did lead a workshop at the GBMP, excuse me, GBMP conference on the same topic. And it was uh, highly recommended. I heard, because uh, it was in the room right outside where we were recording, and I, I was sitting there as people were kind of filing out, and I heard a lot of buzz, uh, all in a positive way, about how moving it was. And, and when you listen to this, I hope you feel that too. Because again, uh, listening to Paul, he's so passionate about this topic. Uh, as I am too. So it really was a lot of fun to record with him. It was great to see him again in person. He and I haven't seen each other in, golly, physically, probably three years or so, I think it's been, even though we, we you know, talks text and, and, and that uh, fairly often. Um, so I hope you like it. I hope you enjoy it. Enjoy the rest of the week. Have a great weekend, and we'll talk to you real soon. All righty, welcome to the New England Lean Podcast, coming from the GBMP Northeast Lean Conference, Paul Serafino. What's up? How's it going, Paul Critchley? <laughs> We're in the Paul Club. That's we got to right. find some more. We got to recruit some more, more folks. I did see a couple of name tags floating around. That yeah, other Pauls that we can recruit. So, so welcome back. You've actually been on the show before. I have. So I think you're probably after Katie Anderson. I think you're the second repeat guest so no kidding you got to put that you got to put that token sticker on your linkedin profile now oh okay awesome (laughs) i did i did see that with uh with katie that you had her back after what like three years she was your your first guest wasn't she very first yes it was right around the same time her book had come out so it was the time i didn't plan it that way but i'll claim that i did right yeah so oh that's awesome yeah so i saw that she was back and then you said you invited me and said let's have another chat Sure. So, you spoke here today. Yes. So, congrats on getting picked for that. That's kind of a big deal. Oh, thanks. Yeah, that was that was kind of cool. It was a great experience. Good good group of people came in. It was a fairly large crowd, and um, a couple questions at the end. I think they were pretty engaged, and it went well. So, what did you talk about? So, I talked about leadership, but I, I take it a different approach to it. Instead of, you know, what are the things you do to lead the other people? It's more, how do you change yourself first really work on yourself as a leader so that um, you're coming from a more solid <clears throat> more solid foundation hmm. more let's say a, the, the bulletproof version of you you know if we can help create that first then you're in a better position to, to lead others so that interesting was, that was what the talk was about nice yeah. and it was what 40 minutes right about 40 45 minutes okay yeah. all right yep. nice yep. so we covered um I gave them strategies, right? And, and and there are, for anybody listening, there are strategies, there are actionable things to do when it comes to leadership. And, and sometimes I feel like that's missing in a lot of the education that's out there around it. 
a lot of theory, a lot of background, a lot of case studies about, you know, what did Lincoln do? And, mm. you know, no offense, he, sure, he was a great guy, but he, he lived in a different time. Um, so it's really about what are your own dreams and aspirations as a leader? Who do you want to be? Yeah. So that other people won't just remember, you know, the meetings that you held, but they'll remember how you helped them find what they want, find their way, or contribute to something where they felt like they were part of a bigger, something bigger than themselves. Mm. If you do that for others, to me, that's really the essence of leadership. Right? And yeah. it's funny that, because I think you're right, number one, it's, but it's, it's funny, sad, that we don't think of it that way, understand it, talk about it, because I, I used to say the same thing. Anytime I had one of my engineers, I'm like, listen, a year from now, everybody here will forget that you stayed late to get this job done or whatever it is. Your son or daughter will never forget that you missed a basketball game. And I'll give you a real world example. So I actually had an engineer whom we had, we had this exact thing play out where his son was playing, you know, basketball that night. And I, I sort of made him go home, you know, cause he, and he was one of these guys, he would run through the wall for you. Um, he came back to me and he's like, I just wanted you to know my son scored the first points like in his career. Cause he wasn't, a, you know, he was like, wasn't a starter. Right. Um, and I, I, ha I was there. So it meant the world that he and I, that I was there. And it, it's like, yeah, exactly. He will never forget that. You will never forget that. And that was golly eight years ago, maybe give or take. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and I gotta believe they probably still remember that. But had he not been there, right? We I wouldn't remember that he stayed an extra hour after, right? To get mm -hmm. some, I'll say, stupid, right? Product or whatever out. Right. And yeah, all right, great. Yeah, we'll you know you make the customer happy and they're you know the whole deal. And it's like okay, I get all that, but I, I'm not convinced that's the most important thing. Yeah, and and I think most people would agree. But in the moment, they're choosing in basing their decisions as if they did disagree, as if they felt the most important thing was work. Mm -hmm. They won't say it when you ask, what's more important, work or, or your kids, or work or your, your personal health. Right. It's, it's an easy thing to answer, logically. But in the moment, I think emotionally people are making the decision as if work is more important. And, and that's a lot of what I talked about in my presentation was that, that balance that, that elusive balance that so many people talk about, and it's not work-life balance, it's just balance. Because you've got to have, you've got to have both. Work is part of life, just like health is part of life, and family and relationships are part of life. How do you have all three of those things in balance together? Mm -hmm. So that depending on what you've decided, the most important thing in that moment is correct based on your decision. Mm -hmm. Not based on the pressures of the outside world, not based on what you know, they say on late night talk shows and <laughs> what your favorite podcaster talks about, you know, it's really got to be for you in the moment, mm -hmm. you consciously made a, a decision that something is most important then and you act on it. Well, how do you make that kind of decision every day to, to stay balanced? And that's those are the strategies I, I gave everybody in the room today. And I think it was well received. And I think some of it is are things they can take action on immediately and start seeing a change. Mm -hmm. Start really getting their energy up start feeling like the, their time belongs to them, but also be more in control of their, their decisions and not 
uh, apologize for it or feel like they they were forced um, by society mm-hmm. to do it a certain way. And I and you and I've known each other for a long time, and I I I'll, I'll, I'll fanboy on you a second. I love the fact that you took your career in that because you were a lean consultant initially, right? And that's what I do now. And you're kind of I won't say you branched off because I still think a lot of what you deal with is the respect for people stuff. Yeah. But I love the message that you give because you're absolutely right. And and maybe it's just me, but I think people listening can can understand that point because there are so many times where we're faced with a choice. And it's something at work or everything else. Mm -hmm. And because there's so much power that our employers hold, because that's what gives us our paycheck. And then from that, we, you know, cars and houses and dance classes and food and insurance and right, the whole deal, right? So when they say, I need you to stay late or like, oh, you know, office space style, you know, I'm gonna need you to go ahead and come in on Saturday. That'd be great, right? And there's there is there's that expectation, that that understood, you know, level of background that says you have to do that. Yeah. And I love the fact that you are are sort of helping people give themselves permission to say, no, I I'm sorry I can't do that. It, you yeah. know. A hundred percent. And that's that's one of the strategies is, I call it reject responsibility. Just because you're a leader, right? This is really geared towards people who want to be leaders or in leadership roles by title, but don't feel like they're in charge or leading things. Um, that's one of the strategies is reject responsibility and do that by saying no to the things that don't belong on your plate. And what everybody's probably thinking is, I've tried it, it's not easy to say no, nobody listens, or people will think I don't care or my job could be at risk if I just don't do what they tell me to do. Mm. But if you create the list of the things that you should be working on based on what you want to achieve, what you know is important, the reasons why you're in the role, and say no to everything else by giving other people permission to be creative and solve problems, right? Giving the ownership back to other people to own their own decisions. That's that's a way of being in service to them. You're mm-hmm. making them stronger. You're making them more skilled. Um, and a lot of times when we do this, people tell me, wow, it's amazing. My team is thanking me for not doing their work for them because people want to feel valued. And, and the worst thing you can do is when we talk about respect for people, one of the worst things you do is take their job away from them and do it yourself. Mm. You know, what message is that sending? Right. Um, so it's, it's overloading and overwhelming the person taking the responsibility away from others. And then it's, you know, demoralizing and demotivating those you took it from. It's a lose-lose. Right. So by saying no, that's your job. When you do it the right way, follow some of the strategies I teach, but do it in a tactful way and use the relationships you have and the personalities in the room. Don't just, you know, don't be a stonewaller. Mm. But say no, here's why I'm saying no. I believe in you. I trust your creativity. I think you can come up with a solution that's probably better than mine. You're more qualified. Go try it, come back to me with what you got. And if you're struggling, you know, I'm gonna give you some guidance. But, you know, the worst that's going to happen is you're going to make a wrong decision or you're going to solve a problem, but not really solve it. We're not going to lose, you know, the company's not going to go under. Right. We're not going to lose everything. Um, so I trust you. And, and if you do that, that's a way to say no without just holding up your hand and blatantly telling people, buzz off. R- right, right. Right. Yeah. Because that's generally a career limiting 
that's a bad path, yeah. right? Yeah. Right. So maybe don't do that. Don't do that part. Right. But you know, and that goes back to the the RFP thing too, right? Because I think as leaders, it's our job to give our you know call it direct reports or employees, right? You have we have to have that relationship that they can come to us and say no, and it's okay. As long as it's, boss, I can't, or I won't, or it's, you know, because. Let's have a conversation about whatever it is versus, no, I'm not doing that. You can't make me get, you know, get my steward or get my, you know, and the whole, like, that doesn't really go down usually very well. Right. Right. But I think, again, as leaders, it's our job to, no, let's build the culture around trust and respect. Right. And it's I know it's easy to say that, but obviously, I guess it's hard because you look around and I don't see a lot of that happening. Yeah, that's so true. And I think the thing that makes it hard is that when we talk about it as culture, it's really culture is the collective set of behaviors, right? It's the way of being. Um, So when we say we want to trust each other, we want to respect each other, very few people are going to ever come right out and say, oh, that's dumb. Let's not do that. Mm -hmm. But then the question is, okay, that's the what. And the why might be compelling. But then there's the how. How do you trust? How do you show respect? Um, and I think that's where the conversation falls apart in a lot of, a lot of the uh, educational arenas, a lot of the, uh, you know, conceptual conversations around it. They are afraid to go into the how, and I think that's where people walk away from those conversations feeling like they're on their own. Like, oh, okay, we we know why we want to have respect for people, and and we know we know what it means, but how do we do it, mm. and how is it even different than what we do? You know, and that's the hard part for leaders. They sit in the chair, they to- they're told, you have to have respect for people. That should be part of your culture. And they're like, okay, I get it, I- I- I'm on board. And then they get they get home and they're thinking, am I disrespectful? Am I bad leader? Am I, have I steered us down the wrong path? Is the culture my fault? Um, and that's where self-doubt really spins out of control or any any fears they had around, you know, making waves, shaking things up, taking risks to do different that stuff kicks in and they, they basically take their foot off the gas and say, well, let me just talk conceptually about it, just like the room I left a minute ago. If I go do that at the office and then everyone else talks conceptually, eventually we'll all be talking about respect and then we're good. Mm. And talk is not action. Yeah. Um, they, they need strategies, they need help. And, and I think there are ways to do it. Um, some that I know, some plenty that you know. And the more you and I teach that to people and show them Here's how you do it. Yeah. Uh, the better, right? And, and the, I think the question then becomes scale. How do we scale that education of the how? Um, and I'm looking to the people that are, you know, leaders in the, the lean world um, to dive deeper into the how. Mm. The ones who have the biggest stage, talk about the how. Right. You know? Yeah. Because the how is ugly. It's the how is messy, and the how sometimes doesn't go the way you wanted it to. But talk about that. Yeah. Right. You're right. Because the con- the concept, it's like okay. Anybody can read those. Most people could probably write those. Yeah. Right. But it's hot how, you know, and that's the, you know, and that's why, honestly, that's why conferences are, 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 you know, popular. And that's why people hire people like us because it's like, okay, I read that book. I saw the LinkedIn post. Sounds great. Now what? Yeah. Right. And it's like, I need to physically, what do I do next? What do I do? Right. You know, yeah. and that's a, it's, you know, and I wish it was easier, uh, you know, but well, I do too. I wish just saying to, to respect your people would make everybody an amazing leader 
that wants to be and they would make their teams feel respected and it would make companies awesome and then they could all yeah. work on their process improvement. We'd right. all be happy. Right. Um, I wish it was easy. And the fact that it's not easy um, shouldn't be the reason that people shy away from it or avoid it, right? Yeah. So it's, it's get right in there, get to the guts of it, have the conversation. Okay, if you're the leader and you're saying, I want respect for people to be part of my culture, ask that person the question. If, if they're coming to you for the help, say, okay, well, how would you rate your level of respect for, for your employees now? Mm. How respected do your employees feel? And when they give you answers, listen for, is it conjecture, is it a guess? Are they making assumptions? Um, and it's probably easy to find that because they'll say things like, well, I think they feel respected. Mm -hmm. you, you think it or you know it. Right. How do you know it? Well, you gotta go ask. You gotta go talk to them. You gotta have conversations about it, yep. right? And yep. you've gotta also be honest and say, I know the people here that probably feel disrespected you don't have to agree or disagree with their reason for feeling disrespected, but you do have to address it. Right. And that's where it gets messy and clunky and personalities clash and um, all those awkward moments that human beings like to avoid. Well, if you want to make change, yeah. the, awkward, the awkward spaces is where it happens usually. Yeah, right, <laughs> so exactly. So dive right in. Yeah, and yeah, I mean, we, I see it often, you know, even in family stuff. You know, it's, it's, you know, my wife and I have this conversation sometimes about, because our, you know, kids are teenagers now and there's a whole thing. And, you know, not that it's bad, but it's like, you know, sometimes I'll see, you know, there'll be a disagreement. And it's not my, it's not like things are getting thrown around the Critchley household. But, um, <laughs> but you know, it's, it's, there's a disagreement. And I'll have the conversation with my wife. I'm like, she's like, well, I disagree because blah, 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 blah. And I said, okay. I can see that as a third party out, you know, but you have to understand how it made her feel. She feels this way about it. And it doesn't matter whether you meant it that way or not. That's how she interpreted it. And I see it happen a lot in industry and in organizations as well. Mm -hmm. And because sometimes we just don't think about it, right? We just think, and I'll give you an example. I used to email one of my production supervisors all the time. You know, because I'm running, I'm an ops manager. I'm going from meeting to meeting. I have like four or five meetings a day, you know, ridiculous. So I would multi, air quotes, multitask, right? So I'm supposed to be listening in the meeting and I'm not. I'm forwarding emails because I'm trying to get the information to him so he can actually do something with it. Well, comes the day and he's like, you know, can you not email me anymore and just come see me? And I'm like, well, yeah, but I'm trying to do blah, blah, blah. You know, I do the whole explanation. And he goes, I get it but I want to see you and like talk and you know, cause he's like, and this is way back when he goes, you know, this lean stuff. I don't, I've never been exposed to it. I want to learn some of this stuff and I can't do that if it's a one way conversation. And it was that night I'll never, I'm driving home and like kind of the light bulb went off and it's like here I was doing something that I thought was value add because in my mind it was, but to him, it was completely the opposite. It was insul almost insulting. So had, but had we not had a good relationship, you know, he might not have ever said anything mm -hmm. for fear that, you know, I'm going to, you know, fly off the handle or tell him he's wrong or right. Any number of, and then right up until the day he walks in my office and tells me he's quitting. Right. Yeah. So, wow. you know, and thankfully we, obviously, you know, it didn't go that way, but, but, and that's what it kills me sometimes. You know, we talk about turnover and Gallup mm -hmm. polls and how people don't feel engaged at work. And it's like, we, we, we gloss over those things, yet we will spend, you know, pick a number, tens of millions of dollars as a society because 4 million people quit their job this month, every month, over and over and over. 
yeah, we will, and then we'll go to, you know, places like this and we'll say, oh, we just can't find good people. Well, you just had good people and you let them get away. So why don't you do something about that versus trying to reinvent the wheel every, you know, month or three? Yeah. No, seriously. It's, um, there are, there are some big scale things that, you know, when we talk about trust and respect, right? on a big scale of what you just mentioned, it's like, okay, well, well then culturally as a society or as in certain regions or certain industries or manufacturing, even if we want to talk about that specifically, it's like, yeah, what are you doing on the big scale so that people feel respected? And then how does that then trickle down to the individual conversation between boss and employee? Um, there, there's such a huge disconnect, right? Where, where somebody is saying, you know, manufacturing is valued in the United States. We're onshoring, we're do, it's, it's an industry or it's a sector of the economy that's so important. So as an employee, you know, I want you to feel like you're, you have a secure job, but that is gonna be very disconnected from what they're gonna see in the news and what they're gonna see happening to their friends, to their family, mm -hmm. to, their, to their communities. Um, so that, that just causes this big rift, right? This huge gap. So what are we doing collectively as a society? for respect of people, and then what are we doing at the individual level? They've gotta be in sync. And I know that's a big undertaking. It's not anything that you and I can directly solve, but I think if every, if every person has interactions and engagement, like engaging conversations at work with their teams, um, you know, I, for instance, I have one client I, I coach, and he's never had a one-on-one -on -one with his next report, mm. um, who is a, you know, uh, I think he's a, his report's a director or something. And it's like, you know, so he's got a team. Well, if you're not having one-on-ones with your director, is your director having one-on-ones with their people? No. Nope. And at the end of a year, when you go and review everyone and say, boy, you know, the economy's tough, so we got to make some cuts. And they're sitting there going, I thought manufacturing was growing. Mm. I, thought, I thought all the investments were going in there. I thought we were rebounding. And why is this the first I'm hearing of it? So it's like, now the individual's got to kind of reconcile all this information about the way the world is and what's just happened in their life in that moment, um, that's not very respectful. Mm. It doesn't mean that the manager is a bad person. It just, it's like, well, how come you haven't? What are the reasons why you have not had one-on-ones? It's not because they're, they hate their employees or they don't want to respect them. They don't know how to have one-on-ones. Mm. They say things to me like, well, we sit down and you know I have an agenda and then I ask them what, for status updates on their projects. and. That's not a one-on-one, -on -one. that's a status update. <laughs> right. And you just had it before lunch and they had to tell you, now you're asking them again after lunch. That's no, that's no good. Mm. That's not advancing, that's not developing, it's not engaging, you know? When's the last time you had a one-on-one -on -one with your employee and you, you asked about their family? Or you asked what they like to do for fun? You know, not that you have to make it personal, but you have to connect. Right. You know, what do you want to, how do you see yourself contributing to this company and do you like the direction we're going? How many bosses ask their employee that question? Probably very few. And then the ones that raise their hand and say, well, I do. Hey, Paul and Paul, I'm asking that. Mm. How often? Yeah. Once a year during review, once every three years when you actually update your strategy plan, or are you asking them that on a weekly basis when you connect? Right, and do you actually care? And do you care? Yes, right. that's it. I take that ingredient for granted, but thank you for pointing it no, out because well, some don't. Yeah, I usually do too, but I've gotten in the habit of, you know, making a point of that because, you know, because I, I coach similar things and I, always, I, I found that I had to add that because if you, if you 
ask those questions, but it's not genuine and authentic, it's worse. It's worse. They can tell. It's like people can tell when you've been coached to, act, you know, and it's like, don't patronize me. Don't patronize yeah. You know, it's like, do you really care? Like, what's going <laughs> on? Or are you just asking because somebody told you you're supposed to, you know, because Paul and Paul, you saw them yeah, at the conference. Yeah, I heard on this podcast. You know, it's yeah. like... No. So, and, you know, and I've had people come up after, you know, and they're like, yeah, you know, that makes a lot of sense. But, but. and it's like, well, hang on. What do you mean, but? You know, I'm like, listen, you don't have to, like, go to each, you know, you don't have to invite each other to your kids' birthday parties. But you got to care about them as a person first. It yeah. comes first. Everything else is second. Yeah. Like, uh, Kevin Hand, I, I quote him all the time. I love the guy. He's been a podcast uh, guest, yeah. but he's the CEO of Hancock Lumber. He, you know, in his company, it's, uh, the employees are number one, customers are a wicked close second. And it's like, yes, that, and it's so powerful because, you know, we go to nine other companies and it's like, no, nope, what the customer needs, customer wants, customer's always right, you know, blah, 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 blah. And it's like, okay, I get it. But what about me? Like, same team, we're the same team here. We're the team. So, yeah. You know, so why? genuinely, genuinely care. Yeah. And if, and that's another one too, like, what's the how? You know, how do you care? Be curious, because you can. You know how to be. Every person knows how to be curious. Hmm. Just think back to when you were a kid. How did you figure stuff out? You know, especially you know guys like us, older guys that are our age. We we didn't Google it, right? We didn't put it in our GPS on our smartphone. Um, you know where we're sitting today. It's the city I was born in, but I also worked when I was in uh, in high school. I had a, a part-time summer job for the gas company. So hmm. I drove around the whole city with a paper map of the book where, you know, you get to the edge of the map, you're driving, you pull over and the street ends on the map, it tells you to flip to another page and you've got to connect <laughs> it, you know? And, and I, so I learned the city that way, but I was just curious. I was mm -hmm. curious about the west side of the city and the east side of the city. What's the easiest way to get from one to the other? What's mm -hmm. the, what's the, what are the cut throughs? What's on the way? And I paid attention, I looked around. We all had to do that, even if you're only in your 20s right now and you grew up with the internet, you grew up with smartphones in, when you were in high school. Um, you can still be curious mm -hmm. and you know how to do that. So be curious when you ask those questions of your, of your employees. When you, when you have a one-on-one -on -one and you ask them, how do you see yourself contributing? Or you know, what's the number one problem in this company that you would love to see solved? By caring, it goes a long way, it's, off, it's authentic, the how is, get curious like you don't know their answer be genuinely curious what it is mm -hmm. and, and also be open to accept the fact that it might offend you or it might feel like a personal attack because you're the leader especially if you're like a ceo of a small company and you have one-on-ones with a lot of frontline employees create the environment where they're where they're okay telling you the truth and then you have to be okay hearing it mm -hmm. that's how you can care right yeah, exactly. Because if you have the that that frontal lobe, I get, I don't know. I'm 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 out of my breadth. But one of the you, one of the lobes, right? <laughs> but if you have that initial reaction of of defensiveness and argument, and no, you're wrong because you you might as well stop talking and hang it up right then because that person probably is never going to come back to you because they took a chance and a risk to even approach because you're the air quotes boss, and even in 2021, that's a still a scary thing for some people. It right? is, absolutely. It's, how do I confront my boss? How do I manage up? I don't know, no, I'm not doing that. Yeah. Like, no way, I need my job, you know? Yeah, and, and so knowing that as the boss, um, make it known that, that you're, you're more open to feedback than they may think. 
So, so let them know that. You know, if you do care, but you feel like, well, they don't approach me, how do I act differently? Uh, it, don't, don't make yourself small so that they feel superior. Instead, just make it open, make it known, and tell them, explain to them how and why feedback matters to you. And when you explain it that way, they'll, they'll open up, they'll come to you. It doesn't have to be a big pop and circumstance, you don't have to be on stage, it doesn't have to be a parade. You're right. Um, mention it in passing when you connect with people. You know, the more you say it, the more people will believe you mean it. Yeah. So, well, dude, honestly, you and I could be here for hours. Yeah. And and it would feel like five minutes. So, but I know you've got stuff to do, so I want to let you go. But thanks again. It was good to see you finally in person. I know, right? We're back in great. person. This is awesome. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Thanks for inviting me to sit down and chat. This is cool that you got to set up here at the show and uh, at the conference. I should say this is awesome. Yeah. I appreciate so, it. Thanks, man. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad I get. And I'll give a shout out to GBMP and Bruce Hamilton. I mean for them just to even let me come here and do this was pretty, pretty cool of them, you know, cause they easily could have said no. Right. Obviously. So, <laughs> right. So that yeah, was really that, nice of them. That is cool. Yeah. Um, shows they care. Right. Yes. Good call back. All right, Paul, I'll let you go. All right. Take Good it easy. See you, Paul. Take care.